Welcome to our newest episode of the uh, Lebanese uh, Physicians uh, Podcast. And uh, today our topic will be no fuel, no problem. How doctors in Beirut still make it uh, to work despite the fuel, uh, fuel uh, shortage. And our guest today is Dr. Zaki Sleiman, who uh, I actually know very well. I worked with him at uh, Rizal Hospital when I was in uh, Lebanon. And uh, we always shared stories about uh, marathons and Ironman and who's faster and who's not. Uh, but I can say I'm faster than him uh, than him in running right now. And, uh, and uh, so <laughs> Dr. Simon graduated from USG, then uh, went and did the two fellowships. The last one was in laparoscopy in uh, Germany and uh, one other fellowship in France. And he moved back to Lebanon in 2014. And uh, currently is actually in between Switzerland and Lebanon and works in uh, multiple other countries. He's speaking to us today from Kuwait. Uh, Zeki, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, uh, so I contacted you. I was like on social media and then suddenly I see a picture of you wearing your uh, biking clothes and, and carrying a baby, having delivered a baby after biking to the hospital. So can you tell us a bit about this story? You know, I, I always said uh, that uh, uh, even if I would have created or invented the uh, super uh, extraordinary cosmic uh, surgery that I took uh, a Nobel Prize for, I wouldn't have uh, had that fame and I wouldn't have gone on Al Jazeera and Al Hadas and Al Arabiya and Sky News. And so it's, it was only uh, just by taking a picture after taking my bike for 10 kilometers from my house uh, to the hospital that I got all this, uh, this uh, fame on the social media and uh, international uh, channels that's crazy man no it actually it went by i mean things with with these days things go viral very quickly so in fact for me you know me i'm i'm a, I'm a cyclist i'm a triathlete and that was not the first time i take uh, i take the bike to the hospital so a lot of people they ask me what what did they say when they saw you coming with the cycling outfit to the hospital what did the team uh, say what did the patient say so i told them they said nothing. They said, ah, you're coming on your bike. Because for them, that's something normal. That's something that I usually do. So it was not the first time. And uh, some people, they asked me, how could you come from Ain uh, Saadi to Rizal on the bike? Man, it's only 12 kilometers. So if my bike could talk, the bike would tell me, come on, man, are you taking me out for a ride of 10 kilometers? Go running. <laughs> so... For me, that was a small, uh, a small ride, but um, yeah. So this is what happened. In fact, I was traveling before. I arrived the night before the C-section, and uh, I woke up in the morning. I saw that I have only a little bit of fuel in my car, and I did not have the time uh, to manage because you know now in Beirut you have to manage. It's a, a, a whole program and planning to get your fuel. So I did not have time for that. And I said, okay, I just take my bike. I don't need to take my car. I took my bike. I went to the hospital, took a shower, obviously, because some stupid people on social media, they were wondering, how could I make the surgery with the, the cycling outfit? I saw that, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> they don't know that in hospitals, shower does exist. <laughs> so I took my shower. I made my, uh, my cesarean section. And just before I left, I thought it's good to take a picture with the, with the baby because it's nice to, to have to, for him to have it as a memory in the future. So when he will uh, grow up, maybe he will see the picture 
And uh, the parents will tell him that, look, at, you were born in a time where your doctor took the bike because he had no petrol uh, in his car. So it would be a nice memory for the kid. So I took the picture and, you know, I'm not an artist. I just uh, put the, the phone like this. I made a selfie and I posted on my, uh, on my Facebook. And I, it's, my Facebook is a private Facebook, so uh, it's not a page. So it's not something that I can, I can boost or I can advertise. And this was not the first picture, as you know, that I post on my Facebook. I always post pictures on, on Facebook. And I even had much, much funnier and much, uh, much uh, more beautiful pictures on my Facebook. So I posted the picture on Facebook with the note that I wrote that uh, keep this picture, little uh, baby, whatever. One day your parents will tell you the story. And uh, I just left and I, I kept going on my day. I went to downtown because they, they were a group of small kids called Iron Kids. They were training for Iron for, for the triathlon. So I was doing a testimony for the last Ironman I did. And then afterwards, I had to go to my office to do some papers and then to Tabarja because I needed to uh, see a friend, uh, a friend of mine. I went to Tabarja. We had the lunch. We went to the beach. And then I, rode my bike back to 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 uh, to my home so it was in, in total a long ride of 80 kilometers which is still 80 kilometers you know for somebody who's doing iron man is uh, still a fun ride and until that time i had no idea what was going on on the social media because my phone was off so i arrived home i opened my uh, my facebook because i'm not so much active on instagram and i saw thousands of notifications and I was scrolling you know and I only see my picture <laughs> I thought what the fuck maybe I post the picture uh, many times on my Facebook I'm, I'm, am I so stupid and I was scrolling 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 that's not possible I don't see any other post <laughs> it was only my picture but then I realized that that this is not me. This is my picture shared by, by, by everyone, everyone in the country, every single site in the country. And then when I opened my, uh, my, my normal line, uh, I started to realize that everyone is calling me to tell me that, look, uh, Zaki, your picture is getting crazy viral on the social media. <laughs> so that was it. Yeah, so, so basically it's true. So you, you came to the hospital by bike because you did not have time to go fill up your car with fuel because that would take you like two and a half or three hours to fill it up, right? Exactly. And then you posted your picture and that's it. I mean, I'm one of the people who shared your picture actually. I didn't, I didn't necessarily share it on Facebook, but then I, I uh, made a copy of it and uh, shared it on Twitter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you went viral uh, that way. <laughs> and uh, so we talked about it, like you came up with the idea of the photo, you just like went in the OR and then you're like, let me take the picture with the baby and, and, and uh, show it to everyone. Can you tell us a bit about the fuel crisis in Lebanon? Like how, how is it affecting doctors there uh, and nurses in general, I guess? Yeah, now, I mean, I left, I left Beirut a few days ago. The situation was getting a little bit better, but I can tell you about the, the, the week when I took the picture because that was one of the worst uh, week in, uh, in terms of shortage. So uh, the, the fuel, uh, fuel stations were opening for like a few hours per day. And uh, uh, you cannot even get a place for the line because there were already lines 
the night before. So people, they were going there, parking the cars, okay? Making a line of at least one, two kilometers during the night. And they come in the morning, and they sit in their, in their cars, just waiting. And most of the time, the fuel station does not, do not open. So they keep, they just keep the cars in the, in the, in the, in the line. And when you are lucky, you arrive because sometimes you make the line for like two hours or three hours. And then when you arrive to the petrol station, they will tell you, look, we don't have petrol anymore. So that's that, that was the situation. And this story of priority for the doctor, that's not 100% true. Some petrol station, they were giving this kind of uh, priority, but most of the petrol station did not give that. And personally, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do this after after you see the news and you see all the fights and the the, the shooting on, on the petrol station. I'm not so stupid to go to shortcut the line and uh, and and get uh, and and get there and find some crazy uh, man waiting for two or three hours and see me shortcutting him and uh, maybe maybe he has a gun maybe he will go out and shoot me. So why would I do this at all? Yeah. So this was the situation uh, at that week. Now, before I left uh, the country, Shelo uh, Dam. It means that uh, the, the 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 price of the twenty liters went from hundred something thousand Lebanese uh, dira to two hundred something, two hundred sixty, two hundred seventy. So if you want to fuel your tank, you're talking about like uh, seven hundred or eight hundred. Thousand Lebanese lira, which is like seventy percent of the normal salary of a normal Lebanese uh, citizen. It's not, not the whole salary, actually. Like if you take the minimum yeah. wage, it's even higher than the minimum wage to fill up your tank with gas. Exactly. Yeah, so that's why there were not so much uh, long lines anymore. That's the main people way people get to work. I mean, there's no good public transportation in Lebanon, so the main way to get to work is by car or, I guess, by bike. Yeah, and, and you asked me about the team, the problem, uh, yeah, the, the team, I mean, we were obliged at, at LAUMC to reduce the, the capacity of, uh, of the operation theater because the team were not able uh, to, uh, was not able uh, to, to come to the hospital because of the shortage of the fuel. So I always said in my interviews, even if they gave priority for the doctor, if I arrive to the hospital and if my patient managed to arrive to the hospital, what do I do with my patient at the hospital? If I don't have a nurse, if I don't have a cleaner, if I don't have a man at the reception, if I don't have the security, if I don't have the, the whole team of the hospital, the billing man. So it's, it's a whole team. You cannot say, okay, I give the priority for the doctor. Yeah, and the others, what do I do by my own at the hospital? But even the people who clean the operating room theater, right? Like after you finish your surgery and you want to turn the room around, you need people to clean it. Exactly, they are even, even more important than anyone. You know, I mean, the man who is putting the patient on, on, on the bed, he has to be there. And every single person, you know, in the operation theater, I'm talking in my uh, position as a surgeon, every, every single uh, person in the operation theater has its own role. And if it's not there, we cannot proceed. It's, it's as, sim as simple as that. That's why we reduced our capacity. We were working in a crisis mode, like in the Corona time. So only emergencies, no elective surgeries, no nothing. So. Is it back to normal now, like the, the fuel crisis is behind us? Yes, now they are, uh, now they are back 
plus or minus. I would say, I mean, after my my story and after all the interviews I made on uh, the local and the international uh, channels, the the third day we got uh, an email from uh, LAUMC that uh, the hospital is providing fuel for the employees. Yes. That I don't know what happened. Good. I don't know how, how they managed, who gave them the, the fuel, but yeah, so it was not for, for nothing. The, the propaganda or I don't know, some, some people, they, they call it fake propaganda because they thought that I'm doing this in purpose to make a propaganda for me, for myself. So yeah, this fake propaganda, it was at the end, it had some benefit for at least for the hospital. Yeah, because I, I saw some comments actually now that we're back to this uh, on your on your Facebook site saying that there's no way you delivered a baby in your in your bicycle clothes. And they were like, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you know when 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 something go uh, goes that viral, you will find good commands, bad commands. Yeah. So for me, no. I mean, if. If if I would if I want to make a propaganda for myself, I would uh, make it about uh, you know uh, the advanced uh, laparoscopic surgeries that I'm doing. I'm traveling, I'm traveling the world to make demonstration for uh, for uh, for the surgeries. I'm the youngest consultant uh, in in the in the region for Carlisle, which is the leading manufacturing company for laparoscopic instruments. You know, I'm I'm uh, an instructor at the European Academy for Gynecological Surgery. So. I have 27 publications as a first or last author. So I have materials to, to advertise. So if I want to advertise myself, I don't advertise myself as the doctor going on the bicycle to, to the hospital. Plus, 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 I'm not, I'm out of the country, you know. I, I already left the country. I'm not uh, doing uh, so much activity in the country. I'm not counting on my, my income in the country. So for those who think that I am... The, the competitor of them and I'm stealing the patient. No man, the whole country is behind me. It's not, uh, that's not the, the uh, that was not the intention of the picture. And for, people, for people who don't know, I mean, we were just talking about it. Your wife is Swiss and she's living in Switzerland and basically that's where you're based uh, right exactly. now. So, yep. I mean, you tried, you tried to, to have her live in Lebanon, but uh, I mean, if you compare, she, she went back to Switzerland. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, when when we decided to uh, uh, to choose a place to live, I told her, "Look, what what do you, what do you earn as a pharmacist in Switzerland? Six thousand, seven thousand. Come to Lebanon. I give you a house. I give you a car. I give you seven thousand, eight thousand, and just live your life." And you know, she's a Swiss. She's pragmatic. She's uh, she's smart. So she simply accepted the offer. I mean, why would she uh, work anything when she can get this amount of money and just enjoying the life? And uh, when the crisis started in Lebanon, one day in the morning at breakfast, she told me, look, I have a family plan. I told her what? She told me, how much do you earn? I told her, in Lebanese lira or in US dollars? She told me, no, in US dollars. I told her, eh, best case scenario, 1,500. <laughs> she told me, look, you come to Switzerland. I give you a house. I give you a car. I give you $3,000. Do nothing, just enjoy your life. <laughs> <laughs> the role suddenly turned. <laughs> so, you know, and I'm not, I'm not very stupid. <laughs> and I'm not Swiss, but I'm also pragmatic. And I, I accepted the offer and we moved to Switzerland. 
Not a bad place to live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so one more question I have for you is, we talked about the fuel shortage. So have you noticed, I mean, you do laparoscopic surgeries. Have you noticed uh, with the economic crisis in Lebanon, has there been a medical supply shortage for you and your operating rooms and operating room theater? In fact, we there was like uh, um, two stages, if you want, in the shortage of medication and and instruments. So at one at one point, when we did not have the, the fresh dollars, we could not import things anymore. So we were in shortage of medication and in instruments. So this was the the first uh, period of the crisis. But then later on, I don't know how, but uh, people were able to uh, to import things. The problem is that. Uh, the 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 crowd the normal crowd is not able anymore to afford the materials. So, for example, I'll give you a very simple example. Uh, when I do a laparoscopic hysterectomy, I use an instrument which is called Ligasure. Okay, Ligasure is a disposable instrument which costs normally around one thousand dollars, and this is not covered by the insurance, not covered by the social security, and the patient has to pay. $1,000. So normally $1,000 used to be 1500 okay? Now $1,000 is like around uh, 20 million, 18, 18 million. So you're talking about the salary of a normal employee for a year just to afford one extra instrument in a surgery. So that's, that's we're talking about a crazy, crazy number. So the problem is that people will still able to go do this, uh, doing the surgeries, but the high-end surgeries, the advanced surgeries is, will be only for the rich people. Another example for, uh, uh, that you know, the normal delivery, for example, uh, when, when people used to deliver social security, okay, they used to pay a difference of $300, which was like yeah. So now the difference of social security for a woman who is coming to deliver is around 8 million. And for a C-section is 12 million. These people are either out of work or their salaries have not increased enough to, to, uh, to accommodate for this change in prices. Yeah, the problem is that, you know, the, the biggest part of the Lebanese population is the they are uh, employed in the government. And in the government, the salaries are still the same. I'll give you a simple example. My mother, who is working since 20 years in the government, still earn 1,800,000 Lebanese lira, which is a little bit more than $100. Even life savings are much less now because they're probably mostly in liras too. Exactly. Yeah, so, so I guess, so the medical supplies are there, but the problem is, are you able to afford doing the surgery? Even if you have health insurance, you still have to pay the difference for the prices of the equipment. No, right. no, no, now, now we're, we're facing a big, a major issue with the health insurance because the, the health insurance, a big, a, a big part of them, they, 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 uh, uh, they took their money on a rate of uh, the old rate, like 1,500. And some of them, they took the money from the customers on a rate of 4,000. But the problem is that the hospital is buying the instrument and, and, uh, and uh, uh, providing itself with uh, materials on a very high rate. So when they ask the insurance 
to pay them at on that rate, the insurance said, we don't have the money to pay you. And this is the same for us. For example, we are still earning from the insurance on the rate of 1,500 or on the rate of 4,000. So for example, when I go and I do a delivery now, I can earn on with some insurance, like what used, what used to be $300, now it, it's, it's, it's equivalent to $50 or even less. So now I go for a C-section or for a normal delivery for $50. That's, that's crazy. So uh, what happened now, there was a clash between the insurances and the hospitals, mainly the big hospitals. And now the problem is that the hospitals, they are about to take a decision that they do not accept insurances anymore. So the patient has to pay cash, they get a bill, and they go and refund from the insu their insurances, which is also crazy. If people don't have children outside the country or who don't have work outside the country, I mean, there's no way they can afford medical care anymore. No, not at all. I mean, they, they will shift. They will shift. I think now the trend will be like this. Most of the population will shift to the public hospital. They have no, no other choice. Public hospitals are already overstretched, as we hear from like Rafi Hariri University Hospital and others. They're very overstretched at this point with, with yeah. very low medical supplies and, and even like electricity-wise and fuel-wise and everything else. So, exactly. Yes, yeah, so I guess we're, we're talking about a failure of the healthcare system because it's not taking care of its people, right, at this point. So what do you see as the future prospects, I guess? How will things get better? Because I think they will get better at some point, but how will they get better? I don't know. What do you think? I, uh, that's, that's a difficult question, man. Uh, I'm, and honestly, I'm hopeless because even if, if, if it gets better now, what will be the situation later on? Look, I mean, we were born at the time of the war, right? And uh, uh, our parents, they survived. They, they struggled, they survived. Uh, we studied, we, uh, we traveled, we qualified, and then we, 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 we invested in this country. And what happened after 40 years? We're back to, to point zero. What happened to our parents? So they survived the war, they struggled all these years, and they are, they are back again to point zero. So even if now, they support us as, as a small economy, you know? I mean, few millions of dollars you can support this country, even if they support us as a, a small economy. And if things get back to the, non, to, 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 to the normal economically, who can guarantee that after, again, after 30 years or, or 20 years, I will not face the same fate like my parents? Because the culture of the, the, the people, it's still the same. The people, they still believe not in a country. They believe in, in, in providers, uh, the political parties. And, and that's, that's the issue. It's, it's, not, it's not the economy. The economy follows the politics. And as long as we, population, we are not, we are not acting as citizens in a country. We're acting as uh, 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 customers in a, in a private company. That it, we will face the same fate every time. That's why I think it's hopeless. Can make some changes in the elections that are coming up soon. You think so? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so because we we are a minority. I mean, we are the people who are not following any political party. We are a minority. I don't think we are we are so we are that majority that can make a change. 
and and we are not going to the election. So, so first we have we have to go to the election. Second, we have to elect. And what even if you can bring some new deputies to the parliament, but what do you do with all the parties? Because they're their followers, they will go to the election, they will elect 100% to the same person. So if you bring 10 new deputies, what do you do with the 110, the left over? So, exactly, exactly. And believe me, if, if, you're, if you're food, if your employment, if your healthcare provider, if, if everything you need in, in, your, in, in your life, and now the problem is that they lower the expectation of the people. So now they used to, uh, to buy the people with the big stuff, you know? I can send you to a university in, uh, in Europe or in Russia to study and just vote for us. I can uh, give you a better uh, class in the insurance, just vote for us. I can let your uh, whoever from your family in a good position in the government just uh, get uh, the ID of our, of our party. But now people, they have lower expectation. You can buy them. I can give you some, some petrol. I can give you some food. I can give you some medication for your father. Just vote for me. I can give you electricity. So uh, the, the price of the Lebanese, I mean, unfortunately I'm saying this, but now the price of the Lebanese voice in the election is getting much cheaper. Thank you. Thank you for this uh, podcast. I think it was great actually seeing you again and talking to you. And I, I think you're, I mean, it was a simple act that you did. All you did was take a picture with the baby you just delivered and you're barking close saying that I bike to work because there's no fuel. But I think that that picture or that image that you shared on social media and that went viral is, is a reflection uh, of what's happening in the country. I think it's just a reflection of, of uh, the failed state of affairs that the country is in and, and what people have to go to, to what length people have to go to, to, uh, to make yeah. things work. So you went to, to significant lengths, right? You, 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 you rode your bike. You delivered the baby, and then you even to see your friends afterwards. You rode your bike to to see your friends and to do to do other things. So just a reflection of all the failed state of affairs that the country is in. Yeah, but, exactly. But uh, good job with the with this, and uh, thank you very much, Taki. Thank you so much. I'm happy to talk to you again. And again, uh, just the final message: I'm not a hero. I just took my bike to to work. That's it. <laughs> And hopefully we'll uh, we'll do an Iron Man together in uh, Switzerland. Yeah, yeah, sure. Or in uh, or uh, in USA. Maybe I I will qualify to Kona one day. I right. never know. No, I meet you there. But you need to train me on swimming. I'm pretty bad at that. <laughs> okay.